when you have something that is taking your focus away on a constant basis, such as our phones, they found that it actually reduced people's IQs by nine points. That's significant. Like, and in a work environment, you do not need to be any less smart, <laughs> right? Welcome to another episode of Mindset Mastery. Today, I am joined by brain health expert, Cindy Shaw, to talk about how mental health is really brain health. Cindy helped people as a mindset and cognitive performance coach that began to explore brain health when she started experiencing severe brain fog and feared it may be early onset Alzheimer's disease. She now helps people to optimize their brain and mind with a combination of brain health, neuroscience, and behavioral psychology to boost their mood, resilience, and overall well being in life. In this episode, we're going to talk about how our non stop, 24 7 technology filled lifestyles affect the brain and how we can help build better brain health to be more focused, creative, calm, and happy. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you today? I'm doing great and I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited to talk about brain health and all the different ways that our brain really affects our body and our overall well-being as well. And I want to ask you first, talking about your research, what led you down the avenue that you're on and what kind of drove you to want to research the brain and brain health in the first place? Sure. So you know what? I actually taught mindset for years. I had a program that was dedicated to really empowering women to take control of mindset and their thinking. I trained with Tony Robbins. I got my neuro-linguistic programming certification in hypnotherapy. And I loved doing that. And I really had great control over my own mindset. Where things strayed for me and what led me really into brain health was I started to experience really bad brain fog to the point of by lunchtime, I can't even remember if I had breakfast or what I had for breakfast. And I swear I was the best wife and mom to have around because anything my husband said that pissed me off, I never remembered. And I'm pretty sure my kids kept coming to me on a regular basis asking for their allowance. And I would be like, sure, okay, here you go. And I would just dole it out because I literally had no memory and it freaked me out so much that I actually went and I had MRI done to see if I had maybe a brain tumor or something going on there. And I went and I got my genes analyzed to see whether or not I had early Alzheimer's because my memory was literally that bad. And the results came back. I do have one of the genes Alzheimer's, but I definitely was not early onset case. So this is what started to lead me to brain health. At the same time, my youngest daughter was going to be going into high school and she had been suffering for years with awful anxiety and had a really difficult time focusing. And I thought, oh my gosh, this kid's going to struggle in high school. It's going to get so bad because she would come home at night and she would try to do her work and she would end up crying. And what should have taken her 15 minutes to complete would take her three hours. 
And then I would use all my cognitive behavioral strategies that I would teach to all of my clients and none worked. Her negative thinking loop would just continue. And so I was like, there's gotta be something more to this. There's gotta be something than just mindset because number one, it's not helping me get my memory back. And number two, I cannot get her out of this negative thinking loop. So I started studying the brain and I came across the work of a guy in the United States, a doctor, and he does a specific kind of scan that looks directly at blood flow within the brain. And what he discovered was there are different brain types based on the amount of blood that's going to different areas of the brain. So for instance, with my daughter, with her anxiety and her negative thinking loop, she had a specific part of her brain called the anterior cingulate gyrus, which is your gear shifter. It allows you to change from one thought to the next, gives you the ability to move forward where she was getting stuck. She was like a, a hamster on a hamster wheel. And that's why nothing I was saying was helping her because it wasn't her mind it was her brain. And so when I found the right, you know, protocol for her to calm that part of her brain, she literally became a different person, like 180 degrees different. She was able to focus. She no longer suffered from anxiety, which was then fueling her getting sick. So we were able to take care of that. And for myself, I had to change a lot of and lifestyle things to get my brain working better. And so that's really what led me on my journey of becoming a certified brain health coach and really helping people realize that, you know, there's not, there's not something wrong with your mind. Like does mind come into it and in your mindset? Absolutely. Because how we think affects how we feel. But if you can't for whatever reason control that thinking, it could be because there is something going on in the brain that's unbalanced. Wow. So that's a very physical thing when we do focus so much on mindset techniques and building a healthy mind like you're talking about. So if you're looking at the way that the blood flows through the brain, how do we have control over that so that we can change that? And like what you did for your daughter and yourself, how does that actually work? So everyone has a different brain, how you experience anxiety or how you would experience depression or the inability to focus is going to be very different than mine. So it's really about getting assessed to know where the brain is either overactive or where the brain is underactive. For instance, you know, there's kind of five different brain types. So you have the balanced brain and that is where you are emotionally stable. You're able to remain focused throughout the day. You are able to foresee the consequences of your behavior and so forth. And so that means that there's a pretty good blood flow going to all parts of your brain. You then have what is like an impulsive brain. And this is where there's five key areas of the brain that I'm going to touch on here that are either overactive or underactive. So with an impulsive brain, your prefrontal cortex, which is makes up the front section of your head, is not getting enough blood flow to it. Now, your prefrontal cortex is fundamental in your ability to make decisions, to focus, 
to foresee consequences, to have empathy for others. And it's not fully formed until you're 25. And some experts say 28 in men, which goes a long way in explaining why, you know, kids and teenagers do a lot of stupid things. And it's because your prefrontal cortex is not fully formed yet. But your prefrontal cortex is also the part of our brain that is most easily damaged. So you want to take actions to really, you know, take care of that part of your brain. So I recommend, recommend to my clients, like, don't do sports that are going to hurt your brain. Soccer. So heading a ball with a soccer ball, that's going to start to really damage that part of your brain. In Canada, hockey is a big sport. Rugby, football, all of these sports are really something that can damage the prefrontal cortex and stop the blood flow to that part of the brain. And I often say to you know parents who have kids who want to do these sports, and I say, do you want to set your kids up for a lifetime of making bad decisions, risky behaviors, addictions, and mental health issues? Because that's what you're doing when you put them in these sports, because there's such a high risk of damage to the prefrontal cortex. So one way to fix the prefrontal cortex is to definitely exercise. Exercise increases blood flow to that part of the brain, drinking green tea, and taking supplement rhodiola also helps. Now, there's also the persistent brain. And this was my daughter's brain who could not get off that, that mind trap of just thinking the negative thoughts. And she couldn't shift gears or see options. So for this kind of brain, you really want to boost your serotonin. So we have specific neurotransmitters in our brain that control our mood, decisions, how we feel, our sleep, our appetite, sex drive, and so forth. So serotonin is really your happiness neurotransmitter. So people who get have that stuck brain, that persistent brain, don't have enough serotonin. So one way you can fix that is by eating what I call smart carbs. Now, smart carbs are healthy carbs like sweet potato and hummus, which actually boost serotonin. You also focus on doing high intensity interval training because that really helps calm that part of the brain. So there are two different brains. There's the sensitive brain, which is your deep limbic system. And people who have too much blood flow to that part of their brain, they struggle with their mood. They become depressed and they often have what I call our NATs, so negative automatic thoughts. And because that part of the brain is not getting blood flow, again, it's really hard for them to shift their thinking because they feel hopeless. So people struggle with that and have a really sensitive brain. This is where mindset work really can help. Also to increase healthy fats. So healthy fats are olives, olive oil, avocados, raw nuts and seeds, and MCT oil, omega-3s that are found in farm, not farm, sorry, fresh salmon. All of these things boost your healthy fats that help calm that part of the brain. And 
Then we have what we consider the cautious brain. And this is where the basal ilia and the amygdala is, that's your survival brain. So people who have an overactive cautious brain, they suffer with anxiety and panic attacks. And it's because they have really low levels of a neurotransmitter called GABA. And what GABA does is it keeps calm and relaxed. So they often predict the worst and they often use substances to help bring that feeling of calmness. So this is where, you know, cannabis and alcohol come into play because what it does is it calms that brain. So for people that have that kind of brain type, you know, drinking green tea helps boost that part, like boost that GABA, omega-3s, and taking GABA supplements also helps as well. And for that brain type, this is really where deep breathing and meditation and hypnosis really can help calm that part of the brain and help boost that GABA. So talking about, especially the last brain type, we're talking about like using substances to keep calm and really it can be anything for people that makes them feel calm. Can we get stuck in a cycle when we're not actually addressing what is going on and just using things like cannabis or like smoking? Can you get stuck and make it worse? Absolutely. Because none of those things are good for your brain. So when I work with my clients, I address six key factors because when you have the unhealthy lifestyle behaviors, they not only affect your brain, they affect your mind and your body. So anything that you do that's good for your mind and your body is going to be great for your brain. So one way that I really help people become unstuck is change some key factors. And one key thing is diet. Diet plays hugely into our mood. So neuroscientists have now discovered the link between food and mood. And so if you are eating a high fat in terms of like eating McDonald's and bad fats, if you're eating a high carb diet, that includes a lot of like pasta and bread and crackers and, you know, chips and all of those good things that we love to eat. What it actually does is it starts to deplete your brain of what's called the brain reserve. And that's your ability to deal with stress and anxiety. And basically it's your ability to be resilient. So diet plays a huge factor. So really becoming more aware and staying away from what I call the SAD diet, the standard American diet and introducing a brain healthy diet. So, you know, anyone can go on and Google brain healthy foods because there's specific foods that can control your mood and feed your brain so that you can be more focused, you feel better, you have more energy, more mental clarity, and so forth. Another key factor is stress. You know, we live in a world where our brains are getting hijacked constantly, 24 7. By, you know, breaking news flashes, by our phones constantly dinging, by having instant access to information. And what that is doing is it's literally rewiring and reprogramming our brain to be more reactive. So every time, you know, you start to feel some stress, what's happening in your brain is 
the survival part of your brain called the amygdala, the basal ganglia, it fired up. And it was, it's this great part of our brain that has evolved to keep us safe and to keep us alive. And it was great to, you know, jump, if a lion jumped out of some grass, you either had to have that instant energy to either fit off or to flight. But what is happening with today's society with the constant emails, the constant texts, the constant you know, news cycle and stuff is it's hijacking that part of our brain. And this is why I truly believe so many more people are depressed and anxious because that part of the brain is constantly getting overused. And when that part of the brain is so activated, what it does is it pulls the resources away from smart brain, your prefrontal cortex. So you start making bad decisions. You cannot foresee the consequences of your behavior. You are not able to focus. So learning how to manage stress is such a key component as well to your overall brain health. And there's really six, six factors. Like I said, there's diet, there's stress management, there is exercise, there is knowing your numbers because often people don't realize like low vitamin D is related to depression. You, your depression, anxiety can be related to your hormones as well. And so all of these things are happening inside of our brain and our body that really then affect our mindset. And so this is why I love talking about the brain first and about healing the brain and getting it as healthy as possible because then you have resources to really work on your mindset. And it's so much easier when your brain is functioning at its full capacity for you to have that control to really catch your thoughts, to become aware, to be focused and intentional and to really create want. Yeah, that's fantastic. You're so right talking about like just the constant breaking news and social media notifications and the relentless nonstop of our 24-7 lifestyles. So what can we do daily, some daily habits to bring it back down and try and reduce some of that stress? Awesome. Love that question. So I do have great stress release video on my new YouTube channel. So maybe you want to link to that because what I teach people brain and your amygdala gets so hijacked, what you need to do is you need to create new neural pathways in your brain because the more that neurons fire together, they wire together. And this is something that neuroscientists have really discovered in the last decade because the thought used to be that by adulthood, your brain was fully formed. We now know that's not the case. Your brain is constantly changing and growing and new pathways are being formed. And so if you are constantly in a stress state, what you're doing is you are creating pathways in your brain that make it really easy for your brain to constantly go down. So that's like people who have a negative mindset. It's easy for them to think and be negative because they have those ingrained pathways. So one way is start creating those more positive and empowering pathways in your brain. So definitely taking the time, I have a, I said, a six minute meditation that helps relieve the stress and start creating those new pathways. 
Another easy, quick tools that I give people to do is I call it deep breathing and stress less breath. So what it is, is it's inhaling for four seconds, holding it for four seconds, and then exhaling it for four seconds. And in those 12 seconds, what you've actually done is you have stopped that blood flow to your amygdala so that it can come back and get your smart brain, your prefrontal cortex working to its full ability. So maybe we could do it right now. If everyone listening and even yourself, just take a moment and think of something that stresses you out. Maybe it's going on in your life right now. Maybe it's something with COVID, but I just want everyone to take a notice of how that feels in their body. And now I want you to just take a really deep breath in through your nose for one, two, three, four, hold it, two, three, four, and exhale your mouth. One, two, three, four. So let me ask you, like now take note of your body. How does it feel? It does feel calmer immediately. Yeah. And I mean, that is such a simple thing to do, right? 12 seconds. Every one of us has 12 seconds. Another thing that I highly recommend is to talk to yourself in the third person. I know it's kind of crazy, but it's not like you're talking out loud. You're not talking out loud to someone or to, to yourself. Do it in your head. And, you know, if you're going into a stressful situation or you find that your mindset is starting to spiral, talking to yourself in the third person, like you would talk to a good friend, actually again, stops that emotional connection between the thoughts and the feelings. Because like I originally said, we feel the way we think. So you say to yourself, Rachel, you have this. Like you've done interviews thousands of times. This is no problem. It's going to be easy. What you're going to notice again is that disconnect from that emotional mindset reel that's going to take you down, you know, a disempowering path. So that again is a really easy way to stop that stress cycle. And another thing that I always recommend to people is be very aware of your diet. Because when we are stressed, we tend to eat foods that are not good for our body in an attempt to raise our GABA so that we can feel more calm and relaxed. So what neuroscience have found is by keeping our blood sugar balanced throughout the day, you are less likely to have spikes of adrenaline and cortisol, which are the hormones that make you stressed. And it allows your GABA to remain constant throughout the day. So I recommend to people to really eat brain healthy snacks every two to three hours. So it could be protein like a boiled egg. It could be some raw nuts and seeds like almonds or walnuts are great for your brain. It could be a keto friendly snack. You want to find things that are low in sugar, but high in good fats or protein. And again, what that does is it keep you, it keeps you nice and balanced. So your brain can be empowered working from the smart brain, not the survival brain. Mm, that's fantastic. I also wanted to ask you about a really common workplace situation, which is burnout when we're just working so hard all the time that eventually 
it just gets too much. So is burnout more of a mental or physical thing or is it both? And then how can we recognize that it's about to happen before it does so we can prevent getting burnt out? Oh, that's such a great question. And yes, it's a brain, mind, body thing that happens. And, you know, in our 24-7 nonstop society, again, we tend to glorify people who work hard and who give it their all and they're the successful ones. And, you know, I was really hoping that in some ways COVID would be a wake-up call to people of thinking, you know, it's really important. And this is where I think doing the deep inner work is really necessary because at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Okay, what's the payoff? And this is that mindset work that, you know, I love that you're doing and I think people become aware of is you need to become mentally aware of what is going on in your life and when it starts in that tipping point. Because we all want to work hard, we want to do our best, we want to perform, but you have to look at at what cost. And I think it's really important for people to go back to the why. Why am I doing this? Why am I working so hard? What am I trying to prove? Because, you know, I had this conversation with my my girlfriend yesterday and she's like, "I, I really want to start a business and I want to be an entrepreneur. And I said to her, number one, are you willing to do the work? because you're married to an entrepreneur, you know how hard it is. So are you willing to do the work? And number two, why? Why do you want to do this? And she said, well, I want to be recognized. I want the world to know I'm successful. I, you know, her motivation was for the outside world. And I think a lot of people fall into this trap, the outside world giving them validation that they are worthy, they're good enough, they're smart enough. But the fact is, none of that will ever give you what you want, whether it's money, prestige, power, the title, whatever it is, that is doing the deeper inner work of why am I doing this? What is my passion? And, you know, when is this now detrimental to my relationships, my health, my mental well-being, and so forth? And so I think really it's about having a level of awareness and really becoming more conscious of the choices that we're making and the impact that those choices have. It's also about building in healthy lifestyle measures and making that a priority. You know, is it easy when you're working hard to grab a Starbucks and, you know, a chocolate bar? Yeah. And you know what? They're going to boost your energy for about an hour and then you're going to have a crash. Whereas if you chose a slice of turkey, had some nut butter, an apple, a boiled egg, your energy would stay constant throughout the day and you're going to make better choices. So burnout, you know, I think it is definitely a mental thing that people have to look at and become more consciously aware of their choices and the impact of their choices. But it is also a brain in the sense the stressed out you are, the more likely you are going to suffer from mental health issues. Yeah, definitely. Also talking about workplace stress, especially if you feel like you can't really do anything about it and you can't 
escape the stressful workplace. What are some ways that we can help to deal with that? So one thing that I teach my clients, I call them shoulds. So we all have shoulds. Oh, I should exercise more. I should eat better. I should drink more water. What I like is I change it to a should. So it stands for small habit I do daily. So, you know, a lot of people get into this mindset of, you know, it's new year, it's going to be a new me. I'm going to deal with things better at work. I'm going to become healthier. They might run out, get a gym membership and they never go to the gym. And that's because it's really the small things that you do daily that have a big impact. So what a should is, is you could build on and, and stack on new behaviors that are going to support you in calming yourself down in reducing your stress onto behaviors you already do. So again, what psychologists and neuroscientists have found is that when we have something that we already do on a daily basis, like for instance, taking a shower or brushing your teeth or going to the Keurig and have coffee, you want to build on another small habit that you can do. And you need a reminder to do the habit. So for instance, I tell people, even in the workplace, is to stick up a sticky note right at the coffee maker that says, what are three things you're grateful for? Because we know that gratitude changes the brain and it changes the GABA and the neurotransmitters in your body as well. So when you're sitting there making your coffee, why not use that time to think about three things you're grateful for? Because it's, it's going to make that neurochemical shift in your brain and it's going to make you feel better. You could even have like, when you go make your coffee, do five squats. Now, do five squats sound like a lot? No, but if you have two coffees a day, that's 10 squats. You do that five days a week, that's 50 squats. You do that over the year, hundreds of squats that you would have never done before, right? So it's about finding the small habits you're already doing and stacking on top of them. Having that reminder, doing the activity, and then you wanna celebrate it because what our brain needs is we need that burst of dopamine. And what dopamine does is it makes us feel pleasure and it gives us motivation. And see, phone and game companies have figured this out. They figured out the brain science about what keeps you addicted. And I'm sure all of us have played some game on our phone and you get to the next level and there's like this explosion of confetti and congratulations. And it unlocks something and you get to move to the next level. This is brain science at work they know that they have just released a little bit of dopamine that it's going to keep you doing it over and over again. So what I recommend to people is when you start shit, after you do your squats, you think about what you're grateful for or whatever healthy habit you want to build into your day, you do a little like your head, right? Or even if you put your arm up, it signals to your body and to your brain to release that dopamine. And these are the small things that we really can start doing on a daily basis that are going to help us. They're not huge sweeping changes because, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And if we just break things down, we don't get overwhelmed. 
because if you're already in a stressful situation, trying to do a complete overhaul is not going to work. You're going to fail. You're going to feel worse. You're going to get more stressed out. So start small. If it means taking 12 seconds to have a deep breath and doing that exercise before answering an email, right? Instead of just pounding out something because somebody pissed you off, take that deep breath, bring that energy back to your prefrontal cortex, you know, and really making time to be out in nature, to connect with people. I know it's COVID, but we can still connect even if it's via Zoom with people that are important to us to make healthier food choices. So it's just these small little things that really can help us make the changes to have a better brain and a better life. Mm. I love it. Small habits, making it easy as possible for us to be able to stick to it as well. Yeah. And that's where, you know, move it from a should to a shid. I love that. (laughs) Having shids. That's great. Another thing is social media. And we've talked about this as well, just the constant dinging and notifications and the feeling that we have to be connected all the time. I think it's becoming really crazy, especially when we feel like we have to stay up with the latest news updates as well. What do you recommend for using social media and having shutdown time so that we can get away and have a mental break from just the constant onslaught? Well, Let's just go back to what this constant onslaught is doing to your brain. So if you look at the data of when smartphones came out and you will see that it correlates with rises in anxiety, depression, and suicide. I believe there's a direct correlation because the people who developed smartphones studied with brain scientists to design these devices to become addictive. And so that ding, when it happens on your phone with a text coming in or an email, what it does is it alerts you, makes you feel important, and you get a rush of dopamine. What is happening now, because we are actually getting so flooded with dopamine, and I'm so concerned for especially kids, is because they are now wearing out their dopamine receptors. So what that means is that they do not find pleasure in common everyday things because they need more and more stimulation. And it's like a drug addict. You need more and more drugs to have that high. Well, you need more and more social medias, more validation for your brain to feel pleasure. So tech addiction is a real thing and it's really hard to break. So what I recommend to people, especially when you're working, is if it's not necessary, turn off your notifications. It's not necessary to your work. Because a study done by Hewlett Packard a couple years ago was when you have something that is taking your focus away on a constant basis, such as our phones, they found that it actually reduced people's IQs by nine points. That's significant. And in a work environment, you do not need to be any less smart, (laughs) right? And from a mental health perspective, by constantly being on, on social media and feeling that you need to be connected, you are wearing out those dopamine receptors. So 
what do we do about it? I think setting up yourself for success. So turning off your notifications, even if it's only for an hour, right? Like if someone really needs to get a hold of you, they probably can. Really be conscious of and limit your exposure to like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of those things. Because again, it is rewiring your brain and our brains were not designed for this kind of stimulation. So making the conscious choice to really care for your mental well-being, because we know so much people are suffering from comparison and the things that we thought connected us like Facebook and so forth are actually not connecting us. There's been lots of studies now that have been done that actually show it fuels anxiety and depression because as humans, it's natural to compare ourselves to other people, but when it's constant and to remind yourself that people are curating their lives. Like what you're seeing on somebody's social media feed is not what their real life is. Nobody is posting like, oh my God, my kids are driving me crazy. This is the mess of my house. I couldn't make dinner tonight. No, they're like showing the happy picture of the family all together that lasted for 30 seconds because everyone's fighting. So I think it's really important to remind yourself that nobody's life is perfect, even if it looks perfect. And that by being on these platforms, it's probably doing a lot more harm then it's doing good. So actually finding ways to connect with people in meaningful ways, one-on-one -on -one, is far better for our brains because that's how we are hardwired. We are hardwired for connection and it did not include a device. Mm, absolutely. Talking about connection as well, connecting with other people, is that another important aspect of brain health is to be able to connect one-on-one -on -one with family and friends? Absolutely. So that's actually like in my six pillars is having good social connections because what they found, and you know, this is what's going to be a result of COVID, I believe. We're going to have post-traumatic COVID trauma, essentially, because we have been forced to not be around other people. And for thousands of years, we have evolved in small groups and for connection. And that's why I think also you're seeing a rise of extremism. And I know definitely in the United States, we're seeing a lot of that. And in Canada is because people are trying to find their tribe. So they can find it out in the real world, which is a more balanced connections with different people. So they're searching out small tribes that they can feel a sense of belonging to because we all want to feel important. We all want to feel that we belong to something. So really making that effort. I know here in Canada, the city that I'm in, we can still go out for dinner with people. You can only have six of you in a group, but you can sit across from each other and be socially. Distant. So we've started doing that a lot more just because both my husband and I felt like, okay, you know, we really just need to talk to someone other than each other. <laughs> so, you know, finding those connection points in whatever small way you can. There's been many times I've sat on Zoom with girlfriends and had a cup of tea and just chatted. It's not the same as one-on-one -on -one connection, but it's something. And 
what they know is that loneliness is detrimental to our brain health, that our brain actually starts to atrophy. And it's not how we are designed. We're designed to be in groups and to connect. So really making a conscious effort, even if it's going out, wearing your masks, standing six feet apart and walking with a friend. Those are the things that you are going to probably even be more aware of, of how important and fundamental it is to your life and to your happiness. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap up, can we go over again those six pillars of brain health? Sure. So the six pillars are number one, your diet and taking the right supplements for your brain. So that's the place to start. Stress management. You want to make sure that you're exercising on a daily basis. And this can become a shid. Small habits I do daily. I'm just going to go for a five minute walk on my bike. You know, even if it's to go get a coffee, but I'm going to walk like I'm late for a meeting. You're going to boost your uh, blood flow to your brain, which is a really good thing. You want to also make sure that you know your numbers. So by that, I mean, knowing the level of inflammation in your body, you can get tests through your doctors, knowing your vitamin D level. And what they've noticed too is with COVID, people who have high vitamin D levels are not getting COVID and are not struggling with it. So knowing your numbers and having those social connections are so important. And another one of the brain pillars is sleep. Getting between seven to nine hours of sleep is fundamental to your mental well-being. And again, as a society, you know, people are, yeah, I sleep less than six hours. I'm like this high performer. Well, I've got to tell you, you are putting yourself at risk of Alzheimer's later on in life and other mental health issues by having less than seven to nine hours of sleep. Because during sleep, what our brain actually does is it cleanses itself. It is recycling the toxins. And if those toxins are allowed to build up, they create amyloid plaque in your brain. And amyloid plaque is what results in Alzheimer's and dementia. And this is a thing I also tell people because it's a common myth or a belief that Alzheimer's just happens. Well, no, you start seeing the symptoms of Alzheimer's and dementia, but it actually takes decades to form. So Sleep is so fundamental to your brain's well-being because it's also the time where your brain sorts out and is able to filter ideas and put them into the right brain boxes, call them, and helps you become more emotionally resilient because we all know what it's like when we get a lack of sleep. And there's a reason that they use sleep deprivation as torture. It's because your brain will not work properly with less sleep. So you really need to aim for seven to nine hours. And some of the tips that I give my clients is get off your devices at least an hour before because the blue light from your TV, from your computer, from your cell phone actually influence your melatonin and your sleep cycles. Getting off your devices is fundamental to getting a good night's sleep as is having a really dark and cold room. So if you can invest in blackout blinds and have a fan in your room or really turn the temperature down to around 68 degrees Fahrenheit, these are things that are going to help you sleep. 
And one thing I recommend, especially for people who wake up between two and three o'clock in the morning, and then they seem to get back to sleep and their mind starts racing. What that is, is that your blood sugar has actually crashed. So say you go to bed around 10, 11, you had dinner at maybe 6 p.m. So you haven't eaten for quite a while. What ends up happening is your body goes into survival mode and it releases adrenaline and cortisol that pops you out of sleep. And now your mind starts racing because you're in survival mode. So one thing I recommend is just to have a little bit of either protein and or really healthy fat before you go to sleep. And I'm just talking a little bit. So like when I go to bed, I actually have a scoop of nut butter. You know, you can have peanut butter. I like nut butters that have no sugar or very low amounts of sugar. I have a tablespoon of that before I go to bed, or I'll have a handful of walnuts or almonds. And what that does is it stabilizes your blood sugar. So you can actually through the whole entire night. And there's also some supplements that really help. Magnesium is definitely a big factor. 25% of the world's population are magnesium deficient. And it's because we just cannot get magnesium through our food sources anymore because the soil is so depleted. So taking a magnesium supplement before you go to bed or taking a GABA supplement also to a couple hours before you rest and go to bed is again, boost that rest and relaxation neurotransmitter that's going to help you calm and stay asleep all night. Mm, that is really, really good advice. I have another question about sleep. Is it actually sure. possible to have too much sleep or is that just really depending on each individual person? Well, it depends on your age as well, because we know babies sleep like 80% of the time or 90% of the time. And then as you get older, you require less and less sleep. So if you are a teenager, they should be getting between nine and 10 hours of sleep a night. But as an adult, you do not want to sleep too much because again, you're messing with your regular circadian rhythm. So that's why they found that too much Sleep is also not good for you, but too little is not good for you either. So if that means that you have to get a device that helps you fall asleep, something that I have found that literally changed my life was um, it's this device I wear, a wearable called an Apollo Nero. And I have it on my website and a 10% off coupon. But what it does is when you wear it, it has all these different functions in it. And one is for sleep. And it sends these just soothing pulses that your sympathetic nervous system registers and it calms your heart rate right down. And then I have found, especially for people who cannot do the entire night, this has been life-changing for them because it's not something you even have to work at doing. I mean, you literally put it around your ankle or put it on your wrist. And then it has other functions for focus and concentration, for getting up in the morning, for meditating. So it's got these six different functions that, again, influence us on a deeper level and influence our sympathetic nervous system so that we're taking, we're calming down that survival brain and we're boosting the right kind of neurotransmitters through these gentle pulses or these quick pulses to get us excited that, you know, it's just such an easy thing to do that you don't even have to think about. 
Mm, that is awesome. Just to finish up, what is the biggest takeaway that you want listeners to take from this episode? It's never too late to have a better brain. And then when you have a better brain, you can have a better life. Yeah, brains are always changing. They're always growing. We're always able to learn new things and create new neural pathways. And so, you know, if you were struggling, just know that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't necessarily have to go to medication. And I'm not against medication. And I always tell people, check with your doctor. There are natural ways to boost your mood, your focus, your concentration, your sleep, and so forth, so that you can have a better brain. And when you have a better brain, you are more resilient towards stress, you have better moods, you have more energy, you're able to focus and concentrate easier, and to to react to what's going on in life. You then have that brain reserve that can help you make it through the ups and downs of life. Mm, that is awesome Cindy thank you so much for coming on the show it's been fantastic to talk to you oh thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it you can find a link to Cindy's meditation practice on her YouTube channel in the show notes make sure you subscribe to her channel for more brain health information and tips and make sure you subscribe to this podcast for more mindset motivation I can't wait to have your company again next time. And until then, remember, we are only limited by what we believe we are limited.